when I saw that video, here's the thing that came to my mind. How many dirty diapers have I changed in my life? Because she said it's about to be five, and I was like, oh, we stopped at four, and that was just, it was perfect for us. I would say that's too, too many, but my, my kids might get mad about that. But as an uncle and as a dad and as a babysitter and as all these things I did, I thought about, I know it sounds silly, but I thought about how many dirty diapers have I changed in my lifetime? Have you thought about that? Because you just figure if your kid's in the room, it's got to be thousands. And I can tell you that I really don't remember them at this point in time, except maybe a couple. You know what I mean? Y'all know what I mean? Honestly. Anybody have that? It's like you, you, do, you go through this so much, it just becomes a, hey, well, you know what? It's just another dirty diaper, and you just change it, and you just change it. But boy, every once in a while, there's a diaper, isn't there? And those are the ones that you remember. But when you stop and you think about it, you go, there's been thousands. What makes this one any different? And I know that sounds really silly as we're starting, but here's the, here's the question I want to ask you this morning. What do I expect from my faith? What do I expect from my faith. It's like Brittany was talking about this morning in the kids' service when, when she was saying, you know, they do these fire drills at school, right? And when they come online and they tell you, well, the fire drill is going to happen in fourth period and, and we want everybody to practice lining up and going out. And <clears throat> I can't tell you how many fire drills I've been through. I have no idea. But I can also tell you that I've never been through a, a real fire. I haven't. Maybe some of you have. But I imagine there's a total difference between the drill and between the real thing. Because the truth is, when we expect things are happening, even though they're, they might be inconvenient, even though they might be things that we might not be looking forward to, even though they might be things that are difficult or challenges, when we expect them, there's something that's a little bit different about it that helps us have a little bit of hope about, okay, we can get through this. We can, we can make this happen. We can move forward. And as we enter into Acts 17, we're, we're going to begin to see a pattern here. That pretty much happens, I was going to say earlier that it pretty much happens through the rest of the book of Acts, but it really pretty much happens through the rest of Paul's life. And the pattern goes something like this. Everywhere he goes, people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some pretty incredible things happen. It's amazing. And then everywhere he goes, not only does that happen, there are challenges that happen. There are people that send a follow after him and they're trying to undercut things and they're bringing difficulty and they're bringing challenges and you see this happen over and over in Paul's life he goes into some place people start receiving the Lord people who are jealous show up and start causing trouble they wheel Paul out before he gets killed they take him to the next place and instead of stopping he goes I'm going to go right back to the synagogue and I'm just going to keep doing what I do and I believe that God gives us this pattern for us to to, to begin to understand what do I expect from my faith. Because it's something I've said before. I took it from someone else. If I, if I knew where it came from, I'd give them credit. But it's, it's a pretty, pretty known saying. That, it, you know, the gap between our expectations and the reality that we live in, it's always filled with frustration, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If, if you're playing Little League Baseball and you get up and you expect to hit the ball and you strike out, you are frustrated, Right? If you expect that I'm going to get up today and I'm going to get these projects done at the house, but yet things go wrong and you don't get them done, you kind of go to bed a little frustrated, don't you? So the gap between expectations and reality is often filled with frustrations. And so some people might go, so you're going to preach a message on us lowering our expectations, aren't you? No. 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just help us see a pattern that happens here is that no matter what happens, even when our expectations aren't met, that we have a loving and a powerful God that sees us through everything. And we can have hope and we can have joy and we can continue in our faith no matter what's going on. So let's look at this. Acts 17, starting in verse 1, it says this. After they, and they is Paul and, and the other uh, missionaries with him, after they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue as usual. And, and, and now that's key for us, as usual. Everywhere Paul went, this was his pattern. As usual... Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scripture, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of the leading women. So you see what I'm saying? There was, there was a response everywhere Paul went. There was a response. That kind of builds up an expectation, doesn't it? Can I just tell you something? I think that there's a lot of, of fear and uncertainty in our culture that we've kind of lost the expectation that God's actually going to do something when we share our faith. And, and so I just want to challenge us as those, those of us who are sitting in the room as believers, sometimes maybe we just keep our mouth shut or we just kind of try to blend in, sometimes because we've lost this expectation, or even worse, our expectation has become that if I share my faith, then ooh, something negative might happen, and I don't want the negative to happen, so I'm just going to not share my faith. Or it, it, There's something about that expectation that keeps us from doing that. But everywhere Paul went, Paul shared his faith, and there were people who came to know Christ. Okay, but then there's verse 5, right? But then the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them and brought them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city's officials, shouting, These men, who have turned the world upside down, have come here too. And Jason has welcomed them. They're all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees. Saying that after taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. So you see that, yeah, that is true, that sometimes the response is not all positive. When we share our faith and there are people who are coming to know Christ, then, yeah, there's going to be other people who rise up. Or let me just, let's just take it out of the world of evangelism. Let's just put it into our life. When we begin to say that, God, I want you to be Lord of my life and I want to take the steps necessary to follow you. I believe that following you is the right thing to do, the best thing to do in my life. When we start taking those steps, then we can expect that there's going to be some difficulty that arises. It, there's going to be some challenges. Can I just, let, now, let's take, and I know we're at church. Let's take God all the way out of the equation. All right? Let's, we're not even talking about Christianity at this point in time. Let's say you want to better yourself. Doesn't matter how. You want to take some steps forward to better yourself. Do you expect it's going to be easy? No. You expect that if you're going to make some changes in life that you think are going to better yourself, whether you think education's the key and I'm going to go to school, do you think school's just going to be easy? No. They're going to put some things before you that you're going to have to study. You're going to have to. What about, you know, I, I want, to, want to get in better shape, then I'm going to wake up a little earlier. That's not easy. I'm going to change my physical habits. That's not easy. I'm going to, 
All these things that we do when we say that I, I think my life needs to take this little turn, we expect that there's going to be some challenge to them. But for some of us, for some people that I've talked with about faith, they expect that when it comes to spiritual things, that, well, those are like in a different place in my brain and in my heart, and those are just supposed to come easy. But they don't all the time. Sometimes when we need to make a spiritual change, too, there are some challenges that happen in front of us, but it's those challenges and those trials that shape us into the person that God wants us to be. And we continue to run into those things. So even though we see the response is not always going to be positive, it's still worth it because then you look at the next thing that happens. It says, as soon as it was night... The brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now, why did they send them away? Because there's this riot happening in the city now because they showed up. They said, okay, well, Paul, let's just move on. And so what does he do? Upon arrival, they went to the synagogue. I'm like, come on, man. Really? This is what everywhere you go, you run into the same trouble and you keep doing the same thing. There's got to be something that makes this worth it. It says in verse 11, the people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Since they received the word, and I cannot look at this, they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if things were so. I'm just going to pause right there and give you a little sermon inside of a sermon. I don't know everything. I can only teach you what I've been taught, and some of the people who taught me were wrong. And so sometimes I teach some things, and then I get challenged by other people, and I go, well, that's a different way to think about that. You know what? I never understood that. So can I tell you, please go examine the scriptures on your own. Please. Please give me a call on Tuesday and go, Pastor, I was looking at what you said there, and I have a little different take on that. Oh, let's go to lunch. Amen. Because that shows me that you're going, I'm, I'm taking this serious. I'm looking at this, and I don't understand this. I don't, this is what happened in Berea. Paul shows up, and he says the people were eager to hear, but not only were they eager to hear, they went, all right, Paul, I hear you, but I'm going to check this out. I'm not going to just follow because it seems good, and everybody's in this crowd doing it. I'm going to examine the scriptures, and I'm going to see what's true in these things, and I love that. And it says in verse 12 that consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. And then what happens in verse 13? But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea. They came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to the coast. But Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy, Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. Now next week, we're going to look at what Paul did in Athens. You want to take a guess at what he did in Athens? He went, to the, he went to the play and he started preaching again. He did it again. That's everywhere he, everywhere he went. So there's got to be something here that would keep Paul doing these things. And I think, I think there's a reality for us that we can learn and find hope and find joy and find encouragement as a believers is, is that we need to expect that when we live out our faith in Christ, when we take the things that God tells us to live and we live it out, or when we share our faith with others, that there's going to constantly be responses. That people are going to find with joy the hope of the gospel. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to examine the scriptures. They're going to come to a saving knowledge and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, we need to expect that some people are going to go, mm-hmm, that's, I, I'm just going to stand up against that. I'm going to keep pushing back against that. I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. Now, why? 
Why would that happen in our faith? Let's just step back and look at this for just a little bit. There's a real simple truth here. If Jesus is Lord, then everything changes. Now, that's in your notes. You can write that down, and you can just understand this. If Jesus is Lord, then everything changes. Well, what do you mean? Well, if I understand that, that I'm a sinner, that on my own, I can't do enough good things, I can't, earn enough, I can't be a good enough person to find favor with God and to find my way into heaven because Scripture teaches us very clearly that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So universal truth is that everyone is in need of a Savior. Everyone is in need of Jesus Christ so that we can have the life that God intends for us and so that we can experience heaven with him. And so the truth then is that before I come to know Jesus Christ, then there is something in my life that is leading me, whether it's myself, whether it's some philosophy, whether it's some even other religion, whether, whatever it is, there's something that is, if you will, Lord of my life. And then if you come to the place and you examine the scriptures and you say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Well, then if Jesus is Lord, then everything changes. Now, why do I tell you that this morning? Because I want to help manage your expectations appropriately. If if you are coming to the Lord, if you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ, then what you need to expect is that everything will change. It says right here in the scriptures earlier, it says, this Jesus that I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of the leading women. Now, what happens in our culture a lot of times is you you hear some phrases like this, well, I I need to get God in my life. Okay. And often, it sounds real good, doesn't it? And often we're trying to fit God into our life, but I can just tell you something, and that's backwards thinking, and that's, that's where we miss it sometimes, is when we try to think that my life is the most important thing, and I need God, so I'm going to take God from over here, and I'm going to fit him into my life. That's backwards, because the truth is, we are invited into God's life. We're invited to do things God's way. We're invited to live the way that he designed us, the way that he created us to be. And if we understand that we are living in a way that's opposite of that, and we are following what God calls us to do, then it's we that move, not he, and we change ourselves and we live the way that he wants us to. And if we start to do that, everything changes. Because you now have a new filter. You now have a new center of everything. And when you change out everything else in your life, then now you're following God, everything will begin to change. It's not just something you add to an already existing life. It's something that you leave the already existing life behind and you run to the life that God has for you. And so why don't we make it work that way? Okay, in our culture, and it's probably true back back there too, but I didn't live then, so I can't tell you as much about that as I can today. But we do... Honestly, don't we live in a very self-centered culture? We do. And, and, yeah, we have to take care of ourselves, and we can't just ignore ourselves. And stuff. But we, we really live in that culture. You hear me talk about it all the time, where everybody's trying to create this impossible dream, if you will, that everybody's opinion and everybody's individuality is the most important thing in the world. And it just doesn't work. It can't work. You can take God out of that equation, too, and it still doesn't work. It still doesn't work. And so that's why it's hard for some of us to to come to this point to go, oh, well, this is what it means to follow Christ is everything 
changes. And when we say everything changes, here's the other thing that some people miss in following Christ. Everything changes, but not overnight. And, and you, you just, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way, but boy, we wish it did, didn't we? If anybody ever invents that diet pill, amen? I mean, I'm just saying, like, that quick fix. And let me just tell you something. And we're, it seems like we're in our culture, we're constantly looking for that quick, that quick fix. And let me just tell you something. Everything actually does change overnight, but it takes a long time to see those results. And we want to see those immediate results, but, but sometimes it takes time for God to begin shaping us from the person we used to be to the person that he is creating us to be. And so if Jesus is Lord, everything changes. And if everything changes, then you have to choose to make those changes. So why don't we choose to make those changes all the time? Because change is often uncomfortable, right? Change is often uncomfortable. At the very least, change is awkward. You know, it seems like I don't buy jeans often enough because I seem to wear the ones until they absolutely wear out. And then I just have no idea which ones I bought. And then I go back to buy the same jeans, and they don't even make them anymore. You know what I mean? And then you go and you try jeans on, and they all feel awkward and uncomfortable. Perhaps because I've changed. Perhaps because there's a few more pounds trying to fit into these. Perhaps my old ones were stretched and loose, and these are tight and reminding me that I need. I don't like it. Sometimes there's these changes that happen, and they're just, they're just uncomfortable. And I know that sounds silly, but it's true. It's difficult to change. It's uncomfortable. But so if we're ever going to make that change, we better make sure that those changes are happening for something that's absolutely worth it, right? And when you see Paul's pattern, you have to look at this man's life and go, there's got to be something that was worth it for him to continue to keep doing the same thing over and over, even though these things continued to happen. Change is uncomfortable. We saw in the story earlier, it said these men, here's the crowd talking about Paul. It says these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. What does he mean, turn the world upside down? Okay, this message series is called Having a Life of Impact, okay? Now, you can think of impact in one of two ways, right? If you think, ooh, I want to be a person of impact, that sounds real good. But have you ever impacted something? About, about going 30 miles an hour in the car in front of you, stop, you ever impacted them? A few weeks ago, I, a few weeks ago, I impacted the, the stupid little cables in the middle of the of the uh, interstate because I hydroplaned in my daughter's car. I got a bill this week to fix the interstate. I'm like, come on, state of Texas. Really? I mean, I, but anytime you impact something, something changes. Something happens. I've told this story a hundred times. The first time Timothy played football and they played this Oklahoma drill where everybody just gets the ball, they stand up and they run at each other and they hit one another. He had no idea how it worked. So he turned around, he stood up. And the other person's coming straight at him, and I'm going, oh, no. Because you know what that is. It, 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 it is, if you're standing still and this person's coming, it was just, boom, he just plowed him over. And as he was trying to catch his breath and behind the tears and telling me he didn't want to play football anymore, I'm like, dude, you signed up for this. you got to finish this out. And he figured it out. He figured this out, that if I stand still, I'm going to get run over. But if things are coming at me and I'm coming at them just the same, then we may have some impact every once in a while, but I'm going to keep standing. And this is what Paul's doing. He had the choice to go, you know, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to stand here and st sit still. And he could have been run over, but he didn't. He said, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to keep running at it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep running at it because it's worth it. 
You see, it's awkward and it's different at first, but it doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it wrong and it doesn't make it easy. It's something that we have to continue to do. They simply, you know, some people just simply choose to live with their issues rather than make changes for the better. Isn't that sad? Sometimes, sometimes there are some people who go, I know what I need to do, and I'm just, I'm just not. I'm just going to keep doing it this way, and it's comfortable, and I know I limp, but, eh, you know, we'll be all right with this limp. But God calls us to live a life of impact. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy, but I can promise you it's worth it. There's a God. Either Paul was the most foolish human that ever lived, or he found something that made life worth living to a point that all of us need to learn something from. You see, if, if we expect, remember, I asked what do you expect from your faith? If we always expect something to be easy, then what usually happens the first time we run into difficulty with it? Anybody figured that one out in life? What do we do? Quit, don't we? Does that sound like anybody's faith that you know? I gave my life to Christ. It didn't work. Well, how long did you give it? About three hours. You know, I said, huh. You've got, you got to give it a little bit more than that. Well, there's more to it than that. I, you know, I'm looking around the room. I'm seeing coaches. I'm seeing musicians. I'm seeing stuff like that. I can tell you. I've played sports. I've played music. I've done different things. You continually run into these walls, if you will, that you have to learn to push through and take it to the next level and push through to do things. And the same thing is true in your faith. The same thing is true in your marriage. The same thing is true in your relationship. The thing seems, same thing is true in life. If you want to have a life of impact, then you need to expect that sometimes you're going to run into a few things. And the question is, what are you going to do when you run into it? Okay? So a life of impact, we understand, will have opposition. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that God gives us Paul's story in here, is he's saying, hey, look, you need to understand that, that what it means to be a believer is to be a person who has impact on other people. And when you go out and you have impact on other people, there are incredibly wonderful things that happen in people's lives. But because we live in a world that's broken as well, you can expect that there's going to be these people following you around everywhere you go, trying to drag you down and trying to get you to quit. You hang in there. You keep it up. You do like Paul. A life of impact will have opposition. And it's like we said earlier, if you expect that it's coming, then you tend not to panic. If you expect that it's coming, then you tend to be a little bit ready, readier for it than you would if you were just, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. So the question is not, well, is this stuff going to happen in my life? It's when it happens, what am I going to do? See, there's really only two responses when you're confronted with the gospel. When, when Paul's going into these towns and he's sharing and he's proving that Jesus is Lord, there's, there's truly only two responses. You, you either move toward it or you move away from it. And that's what we see in every one of these things. And I almost think that, that the Lord has given us the book of Acts sometimes to go, Hey, he went here, and the choice was either move toward it or move against it. And then he went over here, and the choice was either move toward it or move against it. And then he went over here, and the choice was they either moved toward it or they moved against it. Oh, and by the way, then he went back over here, and the choice was either this is it. And we have that same type of choice. But see, look at this. It says that in this, what do we see that happens with the crowd? The crowd and the city officials who heard these things were upset. Why were they upset? Think about this. Paul was proclaiming that Jesus was king, but who was their king? Caesar. 
And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. If we lay this king down, that scares me because this king I'm kind of comfortable with. Even though it wasn't the king they wanted, they had become comfortable with it and said, you know what, we're, we're good with Caesar. You're talking about Jesus. That means that everything changes. And if everything changes, then I have to change. And that's awkward. And I'm just going to fight to keep doing what I'm doing. And so it says they were upset because this person was coming and challenging them to change. But I love the story that he gives us about the Bereans. But when the Jews from Thessalonica, oh, sorry, says it again, when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea. They came there too. Why did they come there too? Because the Bereans were going, hey, there might be something to this. We need to examine this. I love the way that they give us in here. There's always somebody moving toward the gospel. There's always somebody moving away from the gospel. And so what do you think motivated Paul? It's the same thing that's going to motivate you. You find the things that continue to help you move forward. You hang on to the things where you go, man, I went to Berea, and those people got it. Well, Paul didn't those other things. Yeah, yeah, they came. <laughs> we expected it. But you know what was awesome is that these people responded. Yeah, but these other, yeah, yeah. But this was worth it. And so we just kept doing that. Well, then I had to go to Athens because they were going to kill me. Well, what would you do in Athens? I just kept just kept preaching. You see, here's, we'll wrap it up with this thought this morning. With every challenge, I have a choice. This is the truth for all of us today. With every challenge in life, we have a choice. The pattern in Paul's life is given to us so that we can know what to expect in following Jesus. We can expect that there's going to be incredible change in our life. We can expect that people are going to come to know the Lord. We can expect that when we live for him, there's going to be some incredibly wonderful positive things that are going to happen. But we can also expect that if we're going to live a life of impact, there's going to be opposition. We can expect challenges. But we can have confidence that God will see us through every challenge if we follow him. So let me just ask you again, what do you expect from your faith? Is your life presenting some challenges to you today? What are you going to do? Are, are you going to try to face those challenges alone? Or are you going to let God come and be Lord of your life and begin to see you through those challenges and give you something that's worth living for even in the midst of life? Because when God begins to be the center of your life and you begin to live for him and everything changes, then you have a reason to live, a reason to get up, a reason to go to work, a reason to live life, and it's amazing. And the things that happen as just a part of life become, you know what, it's just expected. And they don't frustrate you as much, they don't derail you as much, they don't knock you off center as much because you have a rock to hold on to in the midst of those things that will see you through. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I just want to ask you, do you have that rock? Do you have that stability this morning? Have you given your life to Christ? Because it's only through him that you have that kind of faith. It's, it's through him that we see a life that is worth living. And we see that Paul was willing to give everything to him. And so there's got to be something that stirs in our heart to say, God, is it worth it to give you everything? And I would just tell you that, yes, it is. It doesn't make everything perfect and right, but it sure gives hope. It gives a peace that goes beyond understanding. It gives you strength within the storm. 
a walking with Christ gives you more than you could ever imagine. You don't have to go through life alone. God has created you. He loves you. And he has the best life imaginable for you if you will follow him.